Everybody's Talking with T, the talk show designed to engage, educate, empower, and encourage the community is on. Greetings, everybody. You're back where it's at, and I'm spinning the beginning of the winning talk show that keeps it real and true as we do what we do. This is Tanisha Baker, your host of Talking with T, and I'm excited to join you on this 16th day of May. If today is your birthday, you share it with the Grammy Award-winning singer and mega-entertainer Janet Jackson. Today in history, John Wasworm became the first African-American to graduate college according to recorded history. He received his degree from Baldwin College in Maine. It is also the date that Sammy Davis Jr. passed in 1990. Well, it's graduation season, and I want to take just a moment to give a big shout out to all recent graduates. Congratulations on your accomplishments, and I wish you well as you prepare to face your future and the world. The theme for this month is Mind Your Manners in May. Having good manners rests in the idea of being kind and courteous to others. It is about being polite and respectful. Having good manners also means that you are considerate of others and how they are feeling. Last week, I reminded you of the golden rule that says to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, listen carefully. It does not say do unto others as they do unto you, but as you would like for them to do. You should treat others in ways that you want to be treated. You know, I try my best to raise my son to be respectful and to have good manners. And it's been twice in recent weeks that I have watched him speak politely and hold a door for someone that didn't even say thank you or look him in the eye. As his mother, I was a little put off by this. But yet my expectation is that he continues to do the right thing and the polite thing. Keep it where it's at. I'll be right back with the Monday Minute Quick Bits and Happy Highlights after we hear Rhythm of My Life by one of Talking With T's featured artists, Icon Bo. Like your mouth, young boy, I put kids uh, in their place for uh, these automatic uh, boys, yeah, I'm 30 plus with my age, 24's on a 6, that's statutory grade, oh my god, this ain't no game, I'm not smiling, nope. dropping these hits while my money keeps piling, it's King 
church So I reach you with the sin Get these demons off my chest Cause they getting on my nerves Touch my back with your hands Make me tighter with these words Push my whole family up Cause the devil really working Touch my mama two times deep down I know she's hurting Rain down on my pops Cause I know the devil got him Keep your hands on my brother Let me know that you got him Let my sisters make it through Keep their backbone strong Wash away all their sins Everybody do wrong Put your spirits in my kids Don't let nothing break them down Keep my girl heart pumping To that King James sound My nieces and my nephew By your side protect them all Keep them haters off my back While you let your son fall I wanna thank you for this Lord, please, if you can, put my hood on your back, come done, amen. King. And now for your Monday Minute Quick Bits. New Jersey mom with seven kids wins the $429 million Powerball jackpot, and she is planning to tithe from her winnings. There was a Stop the Violence prayer walk this past Saturday in the Lonsdale community of Knoxville, Tennessee, in an effort to unite the city and bring attention to efforts by the community to promote peace and to stop senseless loss of lives due to violence. Unfortunately, on Sunday, it was reported that there were two more shootings in the Knoxville area. In a recent survey, Knoxville was ranked number 20 out of 313 cities as being one of the least diverse. Again, Knoxville was ranked number 20 out of 313 cities as being one of the least diverse. So you do the math. Let's move on to our happy highlights. I am delighted to share that a predominantly black team from Cleveland, Ohio made history by winning the first Robotics World Championship. 57-year-old ex-convict completes his freshman year at Pellissippi State Community College. Charles Peebles had been convicted to 15 years for selling crack cocaine. He is now the oldest student on the campus and seeks to complete his goal of having a college degree. During a recent interview with Hello Beautiful, Nelly revealed that he has been sending two kids to college each year for the past 10 years. He believes that education is the solution to many of the issues in the black community. He obviously was not doing this as a publicity stunt or to improve his popularity. He says it is about the silent assassins, the ones that move behind the scenes to get things done. So I applaud Nelly for his efforts in making a difference and making a change in the lives of children and in the lives of our community. Morehouse College honors three valedictorians for the first time in history during its 132nd graduation ceremony. Our final happy highlight is about Kevin Morton Jr. of Michigan. He was shot in a shooting while working at Arby's. After arriving at the hospital, doctors said that Borton had a 10% chance of making it through the night. Well, he did make it through the night. And now, nine years later, Morton recently graduated to become a surgeon. And even more so, he will have his residency at the same hospital that saved his life. Morton originally had plans to go into the pharmaceuticals industry. But that changed as he spent 50 days recovering 
in St. John Hospital. He says he wants to pay it forward and be like the doctors that saved his life. All right, so now we're going to bring Pam and Jay in for Trending News. How are the two of you today? Wonderfully well. Doing fabulous. And that's just great. We're going to start off talking about that disgustingly tasteless George Zimmerman who had the nerve to put the gun that he used to kill Trayvon Martin up for auction. Now, originally, several online bidding sites refused to allow him to list it, but UnitedGunGroup.com agreed to let him put it up for auction, but the gun broker was not prepared for the traffic on their site, nor were they prepared for the publicity. So there had been a lot of bids, and it seemed like there had even been some bogus bidders taking over the site. So United Gun Group took down the listing this past Thursday night and then without any explanation put it back up on Friday morning. And by that time, there had been more than a 1,000 bids, with a couple of them being near $65 million. The icing on the cake of this story is that Zimmerman claims that he's going to use the proceeds from the auction to fight the Black Lives Matters movement and their violence against law enforcement. And I'm thinking to myself, is he serious? This has to be a hoax. Like, he's going to use the proceeds from an auction that he used to kill a young African-American, unarmed African-American boy to fight the Black Lives Matter movement. How ironic is this and how ignorant is it? But I'm sorry, I, went, I, I know I went off track there. Let me get back to the story. Okay. Uh, let me read what he says for the listing for the auction, and I quote, I am honored and humbled to announce the sale of an American firearm icon. Zimmerman wrote for the description of the gun, the firearm for sale is the firearm that was used to defend my life and end the brutal attack from Trayvon Martin on February 26, 2012. I'm seeing it. Even though I've already read the story, it's making me mad all over again. Well, I don't think you have enough bleep to bleep out the words that I want to say, so I'm just going to keep my mouth closed. And it's very rare that I'm at a loss of words, but I'm at a loss of words, and I'm just not going to say anything. Right, right, right. We're not going to let George Zimmerman send us to hell because I've got to be on the verge with some of the things that are going through my mind and through my heart right now which uh, probably needs a good cleansing at this point. I won't say anything within FCC regulations, Tanisha. Quit asking me okay. what did I say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then I shall uh, just move right along to our next story uh, is out of Nashville, Tennessee. And there was a police officer who actually tried to prevent the arrest of 10 black elementary school students that were ultimately taken away from their school with two of them in handcuffs at the end of the day in full view of everyone because, you know, that's the time of day when the buses come and parents are picking up their kids because, again, this is an elementary school. So this obviously sparked a controversy and public outcry regarding the legal treatment of minors. The chief of police launched an investigation of the situation and found some internal conflicts and miscommunication between police and school authorities. The report from the investigation stated that officers assigned to schools 
often have wide leeway when handling juveniles, and the interests of the children don't always come first. I don't know if you two remember, but it was just a couple of weeks ago when we discussed the story about an officer handcuffing a six-year-old because she had taken some candy from her teacher's desk. Now, getting back to this story, the school's principal tried to intervene, asking that the students be arrested at their homes instead of the school. And when Officer Chris Williams arrived at Hopgood Elementary School, he was not aware at the time of the planned arrest. Once he found out about it, he too tried to intervene. Now, the report says there were two other officers who also had concerns, but they remained silent. However, Williams, he tried to reach authorities, and as he went up to the chain of command, ultimately he was told to just follow orders. All in all, 10 African-American children were taken to the juvenile detention center for taking part in an off-campus bullying incident, which happened a couple of weeks prior to this. The bullying incident had been recorded on smartphones, go figure, and posted online. The kids had followed, taunted, and punched the little boy. And uh, this is what led to the calls for their arrest. So I guess I can see the controversy as in we want to make a strong statement and take a stand against bullying, but we don't want to become bullies ourselves by making a public spectacle of elementary students that are making bad choices. You know, when you're in elementary school, you're still being raised. And I think I might agree, you know, with the principal that if arrests were in order, maybe they could have handled it with the parents, you know, at their homes or maybe ask the parents to bring their children into the juvenile center. But, you know, this is just a hard call. And, I, you know, I'm fed up with bullying too now. But if I'm the parent of the little boy, And I can imagine this little boy walking home or wherever he was, it wasn't on campus, and these kids teasing him and taunting him, and they're even um, seen on video punching him. As his parent, I might not be so upset at what happened, but in trying to look at the big picture, just not sure about police officers coming in and publicly arresting elementary kids. So I don't know. Kind of like a catch-22 because if I was the mother of the child that was getting bullied, I wouldn't see anything wrong with it. I'd be like, yeah, arrest them little bad little kitties over there. But I can kind of see their point. Maybe they did it as a scared straight tactic, you know, because I'm pretty sure the other elementary kids were out there, so maybe it's going to put something, some fear in them to, like, we won't tolerate bullying. This is what happens if you bully somebody. So maybe they... You know, using that tactic, and I can see that working. Even still, um, you're dealing with elementary school kids here, and I would think that they would have a totally different mindset than high school kids. Now, you know, had the police officers come in in the middle of the day and arrested some high school kids, okay. Um, I probably could see that being used more so as a scared straight tactic. Uh, elementary kids would probably be, yes, they would be scared, but I think that, I don't know, I would wonder if they would be able to fully comprehend what was going on uh, if you've got these uniformed police officers who who have come in and taken some of their classmates out of the building simply because of what some uh, kids who have been misdirected have done, mm. you know. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. 
this seems like an issue that maybe our listeners can weigh in on. So I'm going to post this story on www.talkingwitht.com under today's show, as well as on Facebook and Twitter. And we'd like to know your thoughts and your opinions about this situation of the 10 African-American elementary kids who were arrested during school um, for a bullying incident. So next story I want to bring up is, you know, it's kind of viral because there were multiple stories from multiple sites um, where they're talking about the HIV epidemic in Atlanta. Now, some reports even rank Atlanta as number one for new HIV or AIDS cases. Additionally, by the time many patients in Atlanta are diagnosed with HIV, a third of them have already advanced to clinical AIDS. Grady Hospital is reported as diagnosing two to three patients with HIV every single day. And according to some maps that I reviewed, the southeastern states seem to be kind of a hub for HIV and AIDS. So I don't know what's going on with that. But I would think in this day and time, as much as we've been educated and warned about the dangers of uh, unprotected sex and, you know, drug use and all of that, it still shocked me. One out of every 51, that's a lot of people that are floating around in one city with AIDS or HIV. And then the statistics on the, you know, the percentage of, you know, African-American males that have it in that city is ridiculous. I'm not exactly sure why people, you know, migrate to Atlanta to feel like they have to, you know, kind of like be themselves because they have a lot of African-American males down there that are on the DL. And from what the statistics show is that these men are leaving their homes that they have with their wife and their women going out having relations with other men, contracting HIV, and then bringing it home to the women because a lot of the new cases have been heterosexual women. So if they're being faithful to this man that they're with, then they had to get it from somewhere. It's just it's becoming an epidemic, and it's ridiculous. Well, you said um, it's becoming an epidemic, but at this point, I think it is bona fide that they are in a crisis, in an epidemic in Atlanta. Because I'm telling you, one out of 51, that was that's just ridiculous. And you know, several and, of the sources that I've seen have mm-hmm. likened the epidemic in Atlanta to that of a third world country. Yes. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't know why, you know, the, you know why it's affecting us so much. And then, you know, people have their own... You know, conspiracy theories, you know, people say that, you know, the AIDS virus is man-made, and they keep putting it in these, you know, African-American cities and African-American, you know, areas, you know, for population control. You know, people have their, you know, conspiracy theories, and I read into that, too, so it's no telling what's starting it, but the first thing you can do is protect yourself. You can practically prevent it with protection. Right, and something so simple, and we're talking about, you know, what should be mature adults. And again, even in, I don't necessarily believe in a conspiracy theory, but let's say it were true. It would only work if people continue to have unprotected sex, and when they contracted HIV, they continue to keep it a secret and spread it to 
other people and get the ball rolling that way, you know. So they're just it's just a lot of people being irresponsible and negligent, in my opinion, um, for it to yeah, go it to this proportion. And people don't want to know their, their status. You know, they don't want to find out they have it early enough. And then when they do get it, some people be like Avengers, well, so-and-so gave it to me, so I'm going to give it to everybody that I can. So I think they need to start charging these people, you know, more abruptly. They do some, but they need to start charging them if you're distinctly going out on purpose giving it to people. That should be a crime. Well, maybe um, even to make it a little more harsh than that, if you know and you don't tell, I mean, I'm not saying that they have to go around like the scarlet letter or anything, but if you know and you continue to be in relationships or, you know, intimate with people and you don't say anything, silence, in my opinion, is just as bad as going out and being malicious about it. You know, I think they need to be held accountable, too. Yes, that's true. Well, um, this next story is on the verge of being redundant, but it's still quite disturbing. There's a young lady, Monique Tillman, who she's now 17 years old. She's in college. But she filed charges last week against the moms, the mom's security, and Officer Jared Williams for an incident that happened a couple of years ago. Now, the story just surfaced this past week, which is why I'm sharing it, and a couple of reasons. One is to also highlight some of the things that we've been talking about with our African-American boys happening to our girls as well. But this incident happened when the thin 15-year-old Monique was riding her bike with her brother through a mall parking lot. And Officer Jared Williams pulled up real close behind her, so she asked him why he was following her so closely. Well, that led to an exchange of words, which uh, it didn't appear to be too heavy. But Officer Williams then told her she was going to be banned from the mall. So she starts to ride away. And as Monique starts to ride ride away, The cop yanked her by her hair, yanked her by her arm, pulled her off her bike, knocked the bike over, and at this point, she's still trying to walk away. But the officer grabs her and brutally assaults her, as another officer at this point is restraining her brother. So she was then stunned with a taser before being handcuffed. Now, keep in mind, i got to say this again, she was 15 years old at the time. I've posted this video on my webpage, and I posted it on Facebook, but I just want to warn everybody, it's pretty disturbing. And to be honest, um, I've seen a lot lately, particularly since we've been doing this show and we review news stories and video footage and all, but this particular video actually brought me to tears. Yeah, that, another, I'm at a loss of words moment. It's just, I mean, it seems like it's happening you know, more now, and it seems, I would think that the officers would, you know, stop it because somehow, you know, I guess, well, maybe they wouldn't because nothing rarely happens to them, so carry on. Right. I mean, yeah. you, you, you question uh, whether or not these officers view human lives as sacred or not. I don't know. It's almost like a culture that is developing, you know, because it's different police departments, different officers, different parts of the country, um, and yet some are being held accountable. You know, possibly not enough, but some are being held accountable. It would make me think twice, and not only that, knowing that these videos are going to go out there 
and that you're going to have to face the public. And whether you actually receive consequences in the court of law or not, from that point forward, your character and your name is tarnished. I just don't understand what it is in that culture that is it a power thing that makes them go after unarmed and particularly children. You know, I I, I don't get it. When you watch the video and you see his treatment towards her, it is blatantly obvious, number one, that it was unnecessary. But like I said, it brought me to tears because I couldn't imagine, one, being that child's mother. But then again, I couldn't imagine what it would be like being 15 years old and put in that situation. And then her brother, who initially tried to intervene, is being restrained so that he can't even come to his sister's defense. And so, you know, we're talking about, obviously, I want to go back to the fact she's in college now and she's 17 years old. So it doesn't really go into, you know, her educational background, but we we can assume this isn't a dumb child, you know, that she had her act together, that she's going into college at 17 years old. And I'm not sure why she's just now um, bringing it. And maybe the video just surfaced. I'm not sure, you know, legally why she's just now following suit. But I definitely think that she deserves whatever she's suing for. Yes, and probably probably and more because it could have really went left. You know, you look at all the other unarmed kids that have lost their lives behind something like this. Yes, indeed. Right, right. Well, y'all, you know, that's it for this bit. And as usual, I can't wait to spend my time with the two of you again next week. And I can't wait to tell it. And, you know, I'm going to say it. (laughs) All right, now. Well, once again, we've come to an end. But stay engaged by visiting www.talkingwitht.com and following the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Periscope. I need you to like posts, make comments, and drive up the popularity of the show as we take Talking With T to the next level. Continue to spread the word about Talking With T and let people know to tune in for new shows each Monday. You can now listen to Talking With T on SoundCloud, iTunes, or TuneIn Radio. You can also subscribe to Talking With T Daily, the online daily newspaper, to get your daily scoop of trending news and find out what T is talking about. On that note, I'll end with a quote. If you do not tell the truth about yourself, You cannot tell it about other people. Virginia Woolf. Keep the peace until next week. You've been listening to Talking with Teeth.